0: You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm Jessica, and I'm your host today. We're speaking with Andy Calkins, Director of Next Generation Learning Challenges, more commonly known as NGLC. They recently released a new outcome framework called My Ways. Tom, can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: My Ways is the best and most robust definition of what high school students should know and be able to do. It builds on the early NGLC design principles and what they've learned from their 130 plus grantees and from great scholars in the field like David Connolly from great networks like NewTek and ConnectEd. NGLC recently uh, released a comprehensive set of resources that will help more communities discuss and adopt their own graduate profiles.
0: Great, thank you, Tom. Let's listen to your conversation with Andy.
1: Andy Calkins, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. Andy, for our listeners that uh, don't know uh, Next Generation Learning Challenges, uh, what's the backstory? Uh,
2: They can learn a whole lot by going to nextgenlearning.org, but the headline is that we're seven years old. Uh, We're an intermediary and a catalyst, um, meaning um we were created seven years ago largely by the gates foundation working with hewlett um around the notion that next-gen learning um was going to most authentically emerge from the field from practitioners uh and and so the best thing that philanthropy could do was to um surface and identify um, the people in the organizations doing the most inventive, creative work and put money in their hands and connect them to each other um, and then draw lessons learned and evidence and uh, resources and strategies and so on out of all that to benefit the rest of the field. So since then, we've distributed about 85 million or so in competitive national and regional RFP style grants. Most of that has been spent in order to catalyze the design and the launch of what we call next gen learning schools, which are schools that, um, are all geared around a much richer, deeper definition of student success. And they combine and, and integrate, uh, a lot of the other hyphenated words that we hear buzzing around, right. personalized
1: blended learning and, and personalized learning.
2: It's all. They all, they all play a role, and individually, they're not sufficient by themselves.
1: Andy, yeah. some people may not remember that you launched as a, a post-secondary challenge as well. Uh, how many um, higher education grantees did you have? Um, we had about
2: 60 or 70 higher education ones, including some real notables like College for America out of southern uh, New Hampshire, i um, in the end, five years in or so, we decided to fold all the post-secondary work into our, our parent managing organization, which is the nonprofit Educause, since Educause is a relatively unknown in the K-12 world, but really widely known organization in higher ed. So it's carrying on our work uh, under the Educause label.
1: And you started as a national grant program, uh, but have grown as a set of is it now six or seven regional funds? Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of a number
2: of programs that we're doing. But the the, the basic logic chain here is that uh, uh, we, we needed to start as a nation with experiments that were going to be very bold um, and that had some plausibility of success um, in creating these new kinds of schools. And so that meant really casting a, a, a national challenge and surfacing the people in the organizations that were readiest to do that so you know summit public schools the charter network in California that's really gotten to be so influential they made their turn from their ten year old no excuses model in part with an NGLC grant um, but then after that um, meaning two to three years ago um, we turned our focus to trying to help figure out what what the the, the next most needed innovation is once you once you have a good rich pot stirring around school and learning design, you need to figure out how most of America is going to actually adopt this work authentically and um, and with some fidelity to the original boldness of the ideas. And so that means doing it regionally in cities and statewide ecosystems and figuring out how people who are working with existing enrollments in existing schools can, can migrate there rather than doing what many of our grantees have done, which is to create whole, wholly new schools and start from scratch.
1: So let's uh, list a couple of the cities where those funds are active. You're in Washington, D.C., in, yep. in Denver. D.C.,
2: City Bridge is our partner down there. In Colorado, it's the Colorado Education Initiative. In Chicago, it's LEAP. In New Orleans, it's New Schools for New Orleans. Oakland is Rogers Family Foundation. So those are five of them.
1: And so you've really become, uh, that part of the program has really become a network of networks, creating innovative, new, but also transformed, uh, mostly secondary environments, right? You, You have... I, I, most people think of it as new schools, but you also have a, a, a not insignificant uh, number that are schools that are really transforming. Yeah, in fact,
2: the majority of the the schools that are emerging out of this regional funds work are conversions. And that's by design, you know, because all, all these partners in all these places working in really close alliance with their school districts. Um, are asking the question, what does this look like if you're trying to do it across a cluster of schools instead of just a, a single school? Um, so, you know, that that gives rise to a bunch of different design challenges that they're all trying to solve in somewhat different ways.
1: And would you say that originally was this a set of design principles as the as the key input, as opposed to a set of student learning outcomes or... Was it launched as a, a balance of those two?
2: Uh, a balance is a good way of thinking of it. Um, we we had some very high-level um, design principles that um, people who are drawn to your podcast and your website will recognize as being sort of the hallmarks of these kinds of schools. Um, a, lot of, a lot of work around student agency um, and enlistment in the, the learning process, and a lot of focus on project based learning and experiential forms of learning, but all all of this is set against continuing high expectations for um, core academic skills, and and so in the original RFPs um, we were pretty specific about about saying we wanted to see a year and a half's worth of of uh, student growth for every actual calendar year um, uh, on those metrics. And, and we deliberately left it up to each applicant to define um, their idea of the broader, richer competency set that they wanted to help their kids develop and tell us how they plan to measure student progress and also their own school's Performance in in helping kids develop those competencies.
1: So taken that way, um, the this new outcome framework that we're talking about today, the MyWay's framework, is really a natural extension of how this program was launched as a set of design principles and a and a freshly expressed set of student learning goals. Right. Exactly. Um, and I,
2: as always, um, we're just reflecting what our grantees are learning and what they're telling us. And so as they did the work of creating these schools and launching them and iterating and iterating and iterating, keep, you know, improving them as they went, um, they, they kept returning to their original uh, definitions of success and their original ideas for how they would use assessment to, to support and enable that kind of learning. Um, and we would hear from them that this was all really wet clay. You know, they were making this stuff up with scotch tape and bailing wire and, um, and they asked us, um, to do some, um, research that went across our whole cohort so that we were learning from all of them collectively and connecting it to broader research trends that would save everybody from having to read the hundred and. Seventy reports that they all feel like they need to read, right. um, and and help the the next set of adopters coming into the space not have to do all of the wheel inventing that these grantee pioneer folks felt that they had to do. So that really is what MyWays is designed to do.
1: So it. It's interesting that in some respects this is uh, not only an outgrowth of where you began, it is the, the work of networks, that you, you've become a network of networks. And this outcome framework is really, was identified by schools as a, a necessary next step and was part of learning together as a, um, as a network. Very much so, and
2: and and not only did it come out of networks, but that's really how we see it it being of greatest use. Um, When all of the research that we've now been doing for three years under this project is published at the MyWay's site uh, by the end of October, two thousand seventeen. we we hope the My Way's community of practice, which right now consists of a handful of our grantees that have been most invested in it, mushrooms fairly rapidly because uh, there is a there is a pretty sizable population of districts and district leaders and school leaders who are who get it, you know, who understand that. The 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 North Star that they have been orienting all of their practice around has been important, but insufficiently um, rich. Uh, and and helping their kids um, score proficient on state ELA and math and science tests is undeniably important. Um, but for lots of kids, uh, especially. Kids emerging from high poverty backgrounds and first time in their family college goers, uh, it may be only equally important to other skills that right now uh, schools have largely punted on helping them to, helping them to develop. And so, so with that recognition, then what? Then what do you do? Um, and so, we hope MyWays becomes a go-to. Uh, resource all OER open access material and all born out of the, the the work of their peers, these other educator pioneers who've been asking and trying to address these questions now for six or seven years.
1: So the My Ways framework, um, Andy. I I frequently tell people this is the the best and um, and freshest. Expression of student learning outcomes. So you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of this uh, framework. Um, I'll give uh, I'll give our uh, listeners a, a quick overview that there's 20 competencies in four categories. They include habits of success, creative know-how, wayfinding abilities, and content knowledge. So content knowledge would be the perhaps most familiar. Uh, category on there. Let's explore ways that this framework is different than the targets that uh, schools have been shooting at for the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So
2: in fact, even content knowledge uh, so each of these domains has five competencies in it. Uh, And what schools have been focusing on since the beginning of the standards movement, has been you know English, math, science, social studies, core, right, core curricular areas, uh, still important, obviously crucially important, and all those skills are a sort of a foundation for everything else. But in content knowledge, we also place interdisciplinary and global knowledge, and career related technical skills, uh, because these days. Just the, the the core academic um, skills and knowledge alone isn't really enough to prepare you for the incredibly complex and rapidly changing um, job market, and I would say, um, civic life of, of that today's high school graduates are encountering after they leave right
1: home. No, and I, I think that's a yep. a great addition to content knowledge. And then let's flip over to the other side. Creative know-how. I, I love this category uh, because of its uh, focus on application. What What's in creative know-how?
2: Um, creative
1: know-how is is
2: um, in some ways where elements of Common Core was aimed, um, and good schools have been teaching critical thinking, problem solving, creativity, entrepreneurship, communication for some some time. A lot of people call these the 21st century skills and the the partnership for 21st century skills is largely responsible for helping to sort of crystallize what what these things mean. We also include under creative know-how, information, media and technology skills, uh, which are obviously pretty crucial, not just um, when you're producing and getting things done, but in terms of how you understand where the information is coming from um, important in this day and age, and uh, and practical life skills um, that again are the kind of thing that kids emerging from privilege uh, tend to get, um, and and so many other kids don't.
1: So we might put uh, financial literacy in that category.
2: Exactly.
0: For more on Graduate Profile, see Season 2, Episode 49 for our interview with Ken K. of Ed leader 21 It's called Time to Update Your Graduate Profile, and Here's How. You can also visit profileofagraduate.org.
1: And so those two categories are um, r- relatively familiar. As you said, uh, Partnership for 21st Century Skills has been promoting these uh the four Cs for 20 years. Uh, next category is habits of success.
2: Yep, and and um, habits of success is, sits right next to lots of the buzziest of buzzwords today around social-emotional learning and growth mindset and grit and so on. Uh, there's a lot of good work happening here um, and a lot of head-scratching about exactly how schools are supposed to enable kids to develop these skills. Um, one of our um, one of our most um, frequently repeated um, cautions, as well as pieces of advice throughout the whole My Ways project, something that we've heard from our grantees, is that uh, these skills are um, are hard to teach. In, in the ways that we have normally taught content knowledge. Right. Uh, right. I mean, if you, you know, it's just, just think of like you know, learning to collaborate. You, you, you're just not going to learn how to do that by reading a book about it or hearing a teacher talk to you about it. You have to do it. Uh, and so a lot of the habits of success skills are skills that are, in fact, embedded in curricular areas that that are, are, are actually you know, covered in the other two domains—content knowledge and creative know-how—but um, they kids develop them in the ways that that those learning experiences are designed. Right. That's where you get into all the experiential, authentic, project-based learning stuff.
1: And just given the the level of um, novelty and complexity that young people are likely to face. Uh, um, I've become uh, an even more fervent fan of uh, project based learning and extended challenges that really ask uh, kids to do tough work extended over time, often authentic community connected team based work. Yep. And it, it seems like you, you really need at least some of that kind of an experience if you're serious about Developing self-direction, perseverance, uh, as, as well as the collaboration and um, yep. entrepreneurial thinking that you stress in in creative know-how and habits of success.
2: Yeah, well, I, I mean, you you along with Buck Institute have been real champions um, over the last couple of years or so in helping to differentiate between uh, sort of high calorie and low value. Um, uh, project-based, project-oriented learning—let's call it. Right. Um, you know, think of the paper mache volcanoes that are really fun and produce a nice sound and impress the parents or whatever. But, but you know, where where is the richness of the learning underneath it? And when you compare that to the incredibly richly built-out project-based learning um, curricula that places like High Tech High and design tech one of our grantees in the bay area have generated um, new tech is another one um, they're they're asking for so much um, and they're being so deliberate and precise about understanding uh, the value of 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 what, what we call in my ways um, junior versions of the whole thing this is from david perkins at project zero you know, this is this is all just it's it's all based on on proven science about how people learn. And you don't have to be a, a geeky learning scientist to understand this. You know, you you ask a room full of people, Tom, what the most enduring, powerful learning experience of their high school years was, and by and large what you'll hear about are uh, immersive project-based activities quite often extracurricular
1: yes that but, you know that's the interesting and unfortunate yeah. thing we, we actually have a blog um up on ed Week today on this topic i i just did a focus group on this uh with with districts around the country and i asked them to think of a time when they saw teenagers do world-class work and eight out of ten of the examples were uh extracurricular or outside of uh core content areas I know it's 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 a it's a strange dichotomy,
2: but somehow we, meaning all of us um, across the country, um, and not just people in schools, but U.S. citizens, we're we're able to hold two contradictory um, visions in our head at the same time. One is we we know what twenty first century. Um, what what kids graduating in the next decade need in terms of twenty first century skills? You ask a room full of people that, and what comes back is you know problem solving, critical thinking, communicating, and collaborating. Great. We get that. We also can can point to our most powerful learning experiences ourselves, and they look like like you know experiential, usually extracurricular activities. Um, that gave us mastery, autonomy and purpose, You know, in Daniel Pink's words. But then we're also able to keep in our head this idea of what, quote unquote, school looks like, and how it's supposed to operate. And it's supposed to operate in 40 minute periods. And it's supposed to have every 11 year old doing what every other 11 year old gets, and then they become 12 year olds, and they get what every other 12 year old gets. And none of this has anything to do with what we now know about how people learn and how kids mature and develop. It was all just an idea born a century ago about how you can efficiently process batches of kids on an annual basis.
1: Unfortunately, standards-based reform, which had a real equity-seeking component, um, not only narrowed the curriculum, but in many respects, um, had the unintended consequence of really... um, Turning expectations into a into a checklist, which was translated into sort of lower level tasks, uh, think w- worksheets. And yep. Yep. while that was standards aligned in the in the narrow sense, uh, it it really did move the country away from uh, asking kids to do challenging work, uh, collaborative work, authentic work.
2: Yep. Yep. I mean, it, it right you. Absolutely right. It it started off with a great idea. Let's hold all kids to high expectations, you know, because that demonstrably was not happening. But it's a classic case of the tail wagging the dog. And the tail in this case was what we knew how to assess with any degree of confidence. Um, And so the fact that all we knew how to assess in that way was, you know, regurgitation of content knowledge that became the shape and nature of most of the state tests, especially in the early days. Right,
1: And so, and because we were better at testing proficiency than growth, we sort of locked in this idea yeah. of grade level proficiency, which locked in age cohorts, which, yep. Yep. Um, again, had the reinforcing notion around the traditional model. Yeah, right. So Andy, the, maybe the most unique aspect of my ways is this fourth category called wayfinding abilities what what's in that category
2: so you find wayfinding although we haven't ever seen it called that um in maybe a third maybe a quarter uh of the other um competency frameworks out there there are probably 25 major ones and probably 75 in all that we reviewed for all of this Everything we've been talking about here is basically a distillation of all of those frameworks. Wayfinding, we felt needed to be surfaced and placed at the level of the other three. And and we, we became, over these three years of doing this research, more and more radicalized about this idea, the more research we did for what is now part A of the My Ways project, which is everything around the question of why you know why why is it so important that um, we reassess what our north star is for student competency and and once we do that and we come up with something that is a version of what we've been talking about here uh how do we face up to the reality you know of the implications for Learning design, school design, the role of kids, the role of teachers, and so on, um, and and all that drove our interest in our and our passion around this fourth domain, wayfinding. These are these are all of the navigational, resource finding, and social capital building skills um, that two thirds at least of. America's school children are not getting right now, either from school or in their communities or at home. Uh, And this is at a time when they're facing uh, the most complex, challenging set of choices, decisions, and roadblocks after high school graduation of probably any generation in history. Um, You know, I mean, the, 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 the whole landscape of Uh, decision-making that your your average high school junior and senior is being asked to make right now you know is is pretty frightening it's no wonder all the juniors and seniors are so stressed
1: and this is just on the 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 personal level and when you you know you look at the kinds of stresses that our cities and states are going to face in the, the near future so what we're asking of them not only you know, as as entrepreneurs and employees, but as citizens, uh, is quite daunting. Yeah, I do yeah. in this category. Want to uh, to give a shout out to Dave Conley. He's probably been the most important scholar in this category. I think he he's written yes. extensively on this, without a doubt. And and
2: his framework, as well as the connected framework, yes, um, linked learning, uh, comes closest to mirroring what we've come up with here. But so Wayfinding is composed of you know, surveying the, the college and career and life landscape and knowing how to set goals, identify opportunities, creating a personal roadmaps. We spend a lot of time talking about the importance of social capital building. Yeah.
1: Can I uh, underscore yeah. Julia F- uh, Freeland Fisher's uh, upcoming mm-hmm. book on social capital? I, I just think yeah. it's super interesting that – like uh, Getting Smart and an NGLC Christensen Institute was really an early leader in blended and personalized learning and and that her new book is on social capital Mm -hmm. I think is another really important signal at how how important this category is. This
2: is another point here where
1: um,
2: instinctively we know how important social capital is but because we're swimming in social capital rich waters, we don't often recognize it. So again, you know you could ask a room full of people um, to think about the jobs that they have gotten and how they how they got them. And by and large, you'll get a lot of stories about yep. um, people they knew. Um, right. Often, not even people they knew well, secondary and tertiary contacts. This is this is all from the value of of personal um, social capital and network building, and it's not a skill that's even discussed today in, in schools.
1: So this is a really terrific outcome framework. There's um, there's some great resources on your site uh, with this launch. L- let's uh-huh. wrap up by talking about what should school and system leaders do next. Uh, w-
2: one of the other big convictions that has come out of our study of our grantees is that, um, this doesn't work, uh, either through heroic, um, lone wolf style leadership, um, or through silver bullet syndrome, um, methodology. And and by all that, uh, what I mean is, um... The work is too hard um, unless you've got a community around you um, that understands what we're calling the why here um, uh, and is bought in to working together to come up with a a new vision for what high school graduates, what a diploma should represent, um, and for um, school models that reflect what we instinctively know. Powerful learning, you know, contributes to, um, and so uh, the the first step um, we think for any community or any school or district leader that wants to make a move in this direction is to is to open up that dialogue, probably first internally uh, with leadership teams, but very quickly um, with community leaders, Um, and that means not just office holders, but um, business leaders and employers and community-based organizations and social service networks and so on. And one of the things they will find um, is that we're at this moment of almost priceless, uh, you know, singularity, you know, because everybody, including and sometimes especially the employers support this new vision of, of competency for high school graduates. They, they will look at you know, their customized version or this my way's version or whoever's version of, of a 21st century s- skill set, a new North Star, and say, yes, that's what our school should be doing. So, you know, when you look at the, the Lindsays and the Vistas and the St. Brains and the Kettle Moraines and, and the, the, the communities that have gone all in and demonstrably farthest in putting these kinds of schools into action, that's what they've done. They've, been, they've enlisted their community in understanding, supporting and, and, and demanding um, this kind of work. And and then you 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 work through the 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 series of stages that Myways lays lays out. You know that you you can't go anywhere without this appreciation for the for the why and the urgency behind all this. And then and then you've got some serious work to do around the what, uh, and that is defining, you know, your own version in your community, your state, your city, um, for what the new. Uh, definition of student success should be, um, and nobody's saying there's only one correct answer. There, um, this is important that it becomes owned locally. So you, there are tools in the My Ways uh, project website um, for people to use to, to to develop their own definition, and and then you move on to the what, um, and that's the mistake that that we see most often out there is that. Educators are so time pressed and 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 so practical that, you know, they want to go straight to often the design for measurement first um, and then to learning design. That's what, you know, theoretically good standards based practice is all about backwards mapping. Um, You know, they want to go straight to the practicalities. You know, what's the impact going to be on our school schedule? well, you, there's a lot of work and a lot of thinking and a lot of consensus building uh, to be done before you get to that point. Um, and it's all spelled out on the website, but uh, we don't think there's there's any shortcut here. Um, you, you have to go through this deep, rich set of stages and conversations yeah, in order we, to have the, the staying power, right? Yeah, to we've certainly...
1: Trip experience that. There's just no getting around the importance of a community conversation. Um, we we like to ask three simple questions. How has the world changed? Uh, what do you think students need to know and be able to do? And what kind of learning experiences would promote that? And communities uh, rich, uh, com- resource rich and resource poor uh, come mm-hmm. up with remarkably similar answers and, and deeply appreciate being uh, asked and it, it just develops a, a momentum for this work that you can't uh, do any other way.
2: Yeah, and and don't you see that that sort of alignment in the cities where you are working? Absolutely.
1: Between, yeah, yeah. So
2: I, quite often it's 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 the employers and the business leaders that are most outspoken right. about this. You know, they're the ones who were leading the charge in New Hampshire, which arguably is the state that's gone furthest on all this.
1: So where can people learn more?
2: Uh, if they So our basic website is nextgenlearning.org. Um, MyWays has its own special uh, sub-website, which is myways.nextgenlearning.org. You can find your way there just by going to our site and, right. and, and clicking under and what, initiatives.
1: Give us a, a quick overview. What will they find on the MyWay site?
2: Um, they'll find first, uh, well, by the by the, the end of this month, October, they'll find the full set of 14 reports that make up this initial three-year burst of research. Um, they're organized around the big questions that, the entire My Ways project is organized around, which I just went through, the, the why, the what, and the how. Um, and associated with each report is a set of tools designed to help school and district leaders enlist their, their leadership teams, their faculties, their communities um, in the kinds of discussion and co-development work that will help people co- co-own all, all of this. They'll also find the MyWays community of practice, a a bunch of videos from NGLC grantees that have contributed to MyWays or are putting aspects of it to work. Um, And they'll see, especially over the course of the rest of the fall, um, a set of other tools, including um, downloadable PowerPoint decks and presentations that they can customize. Again, all of this is, is OER, so you know, it carries a creative commons attribution thing. But after that, everyone is encouraged to make this, you know, the, the Akron 2025 plan and just adopt whatever pieces of it you, you you think make most sense for you. So our, our, our hope is that, you know, this is not the, the one, the one shot, one stop, everything in it place. There, there must be I don't know ten thousand links um, in this in all of these report materials because there's there's so much other rich resource work and strategy work going on out there. But we hope we hope some percentage of the people moving into this place uh, will decide to commit to doing it thoroughly and doing it well. Um, and we think we've learned enough from our NGLC grantees so that we have at least. A glimmer of a clue about what that looks like
1: so andy you uh your national and regional programs have resulted in in something north of a hundred um really exciting innovative schools, and that was a really important contribution, but I am confident that this uh my ways framework is is going to be your most important contribution to the sector it's really Great work. Um, it's very thoughtful, and uh, the resources that come with it are uh, going to be helpful for uh, for years to come. So we, we appreciate the work that you've been doing, and thanks for being on the Getting Smart podcast.
2: Well, Tom, you're welcome, and thank you for your interest in my ways. Um, thank you to its developers, Dave Lash and Grace Belfiore, who really have been the, the valiant soldiers in the, in the effort. And um, we, we hope you're right. We hope this has a, a good and productive, positive impact. Thanks, Andy. Thank you, Tom.
0: Thanks to Andy Calkins for speaking with us today. Be sure to check out the Getting Smart podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, subscribe and rate us. For more on all things innovations and learning, check out our blog at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart podcast, this is Jessica. And Tom. Signing off.